Welcome to Change of Plans. I'm Andres Zuleta. On Change of Plans, we feature stories of resilience and reinvention, interviewing entrepreneurs and other creative individuals who have found fun and inspiring ways to adapt to sudden unexpected challenges. When the coronavirus nearly wiped out his events-focused business, my guest Sam Eitzen found a brilliant way to save his company and help other small businesses in the process. Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Of course, yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, so, let's just get into it. I mean, I love your story, and I'm wondering if you can just describe the moment when you and your team realized that you were going to have to get creative to, like you said on your website, keep your head above water. My goodness, it just happened so quickly, right? Uh, beginning of March, things seemed great. Mid-March, we'd lost at least a month of revenue, if not more. By the end of March, three months of revenue were gone. Sales dropped off a cliff. You know, like, it's just one thing after another. And it was about mid-March when we'd lost already a significant amount of future events, either to uh, cancellations, postponements, etc. that I thought, you know, if this, if this is going to be bad, and at the time, I still didn't honestly really know how bad it would be, then we're, we're kind of done. You know, like we, we rely on in-person events one, for 100% of our business. So, um, yeah, that was kind of like the stage for how we started thinking about our future. We realized, you know, I, I guess I didn't want to sit around and wait to be surprised by the fact that like all events would be canceled. And sure enough, in a matter of days, you know, government restrictions essentially wiped out all events. And so, you know, um, there were no choices as to whether you could have your event or not and what you would do to limit the spread or, or focus on hygiene. It was that, no, you were not allowed to gather in more than 50 or 10, et cetera. Was there a moment when, you know, all of a sudden you and your team had kind of a specific realization that we need to do something else? There was a specific moment when for whatever reason I could not sleep. I think this was around March, March 12th. I couldn't sleep. So I got up and I decided that I would not go to bed until I'd written out 50 different pivot ideas or new ideas that we could pursue. Um, some of them were really stupid. Uh, some of them were, well, good. I mean, one of them stuck and worked. But I imagine it was around that time that there was just so much intensity that I, clearly I had trouble sleeping. And so I stayed up that night until about 2 a.m. And we narrowed that list of 50 down to 18. And then a couple days later, my brother and I, my brother is my co-founder, picked one. And that one was Keep Your City Smiling. And I remember announcing to the team that our pivot was going to be a gift box care package type company. We were going to call it Keep Your City Smiling. We were going to start with the Seattle box. And that day, that was March 16th. It was a Monday. I mean, yeah, that's kind of an amazing story, you know, staying up all night. <laughs> you know, what, what, what do you think? What kind of mindset yeah. did you have that led you there? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know how I came up with the, the 50 number. I guess it felt kind of daunting. And it felt at the time that I just needed to commit to something instead of being paralyzed by indecision or fear. Because there was a healthy dose of both uh, that I was dealing with. 
I think this entire kind of world, like global health crisis has been, well, clearly very hard to predict, right? No one has been alive, as far as I'm aware, uh, in dealing with something of this scale. And so I tend to be not, I'm not definitely not a pessimist, but I guess I definitely see the darker or bleaker side of things sometimes. And in this particular context, that's helped me a little bit. Never really plan for the best, but always assuming the worst and planning around it. I'm a pretty optimistic person, but I think in that, um, yeah, I don't know. I've been through enough, enough things before, I guess, that I just treated it with this, well, if it's better to plan for the worst case, so what's the worst case? And when I really thought about the worst case, it was horrible. <laughs> we'd, you know, last year we landed on the Inc. 500 list for how fast we'd grown, and I genuinely didn't know whether we'd have enough money to sustain two months down the road. And so that was a massive shift. And yeah, really looking at that worst case was all the motivation I needed to say, my goodness, like we need to do something other than in-person events because those might be gone for a long time. And honestly, now, like a month and a half later, it, it kind of is looking, looking like that, right? It's, I have no yeah. idea when in-person events are going to come back. For sure. I'm curious. I mean, without going too deep into the tangent of what your runner-up ideas were, because I'm most interested in the idea you chose, um, I mean, what was kind of the main reason that you and your brother, your co-founder, decided on the boxes as opposed to maybe, you know, some other ideas? Yeah, um, the process was actually pretty simple. In picking the 18 as a leadership team and then narrowing that 18 down to one, we're really looking through one major lens, which, were, which was what was the snap bar and what was our team good at in live events, in-person events that we could translate over to some new business, whatever that new business was. So it wasn't so much looking at the fact that we were a leader in photo booths or that we had all the software. It was more of a conversation about, oh, we happen to be pretty good at logistics and getting timing right. And we've shipped stuff all over the country. And hey, we have these massive printing uh, capabilities uh, that we used to wrap photo booths for, but I, we know that they can also print labels and stickers. So how could that be used? And so it was really looking at some of these, um, I guess, resources that we had, both in the, the specialization or the expertise of our people, as well as some of our gear, to be honest. And that's kind of how we settled on this box idea. I don't know. I think it was my brother that had mentioned something about care packages or gift boxes at some point in time, which is why it made it to my list of 50. We'd never specifically talked about working with small businesses. We had always talked about this idea of e-commerce and what we could do to get into it, et cetera. So some of the ideas on the list of 50 were very much in line with our current business and our current industry. I think the process in which we came up with the boxes at the end of the day really stuck to the idea that it could help other people. When this element of us supporting other small businesses that were struggling entered the equation, it really catapulted that idea to the top of the list. So clearly you had some skills in-house that were directly relevant to this pivot, even though it seems like a different type of business. But what was maybe the, the biggest challenge that you encountered as you, you know, embarked on this new path? I mean, working from home and the stay-at-home orders was challenging because we basically started this business virtually and then had to get clearance for our shipping team to 
get back to the warehouse to do things. Other challenges were just the newness of e-commerce. We didn't really know how to think about appealing to new customers because we'd always worked directly with event planners and that industry is very relational, but e-commerce is inherently not relational. We don't know hardly any of the people ordering from our website. And so getting used to that sales process, I guess, and what we need to do on our website to convince someone that we're a legitimate business, that this is not like supporting a charity because it's not charity work, but you know, expressing or telling the story about how and why this, this is happening and what we did, um, that was more challenging because normally we'd get on the phone with an event planner, chat about their goals, ask about how we could create their vision of what they wanted in a photo or video experience and, you know, sign on the dotted line. And it's a lot more of a handheld sales and kind of planning experience, if that makes sense. So that's been a big, a big piece to get used to. How did you initially, what was your marketing strategy? Because like you said, it's a totally different type of business. So how have you, you know, gotten this in front of enough people to, I guess, impact your bottom line? Um, well, a lot of it was amateur PR work and emailing our current list of clients saying, hey, everyone, we've pivoted, <laughs> you know, and that worked. I mean, it, it's an interesting story. And so it got picked up by a couple of local news outlets. And since I've been able to do some other interviews and, and submit this pivot idea to a number of different blogs and online media publishing companies like Inc. Magazine and so forth. So that's really cool that the fact that we were quick about it and that it's timely, I think helps us for sure. Um, two, our email list was really strong and we did have great relationships with so many event planners. And so there is an element of the keep your city smiling idea that allows us to continue to work with corporations um, who were our primary client pre-COVID in that sense. So for example, when we want to work with Microsoft, um, back in the day, we'd email our Microsoft partners and or they would email us. And so we did that again, except this time we said, hey, Microsoft, I know your team is remote. You know, I mean, this is a paraphrase of whatever emails actually got sent. Uh, would you be interested in trying to set up like a care package for all of these remote team members? And uh, yeah, we've we've actually booked quite a number of Microsoft boxes as a result. And so um, because a lot of our clients are in the tech community and a lot of those teams are working out uh, of their homes. Care packages are a great corporate idea right now in, you know, in terms of taking care of your people. So um, that was really helpful as well. And those are really the only two things. Now, uh, I think as of a week ago, we started social ads to try to share, share this idea with the world in that sense. But um, those are the two original ways that we got the word out. Um, I'm curious, when you brought this idea to your team, you know, what was the reaction? And then how have people's roles shifted to support this new effort? <laughs> you know, thankfully, the reaction was incredible. And I credit that to the fact that things looked so bleak in the world of events. You know, if, if, if we had seen our revenue drop by 30%, and then my brother and I come to the team and say, hey, this is crazy, like, revenue just dropped 30%, we're going to pivot. I think there'd be a lot more concern being like, hey guys, like, come on, 30%, we can work around this, let's cut expenses, et cetera, et cetera. But it was really black and white for us. Um, it, you know, there was nothing on the event side. And so anything that's, that we all thought, you know what, we could kind of do this. And then again, this, this added layer of also, not only could we do this, but we can help other small businesses that are struggling. 
it was, I mean, in one sense, it was unanimous, right? Like everyone got into kind of high gear to push this because we launched um, the idea on March 19th. We told the team on March 16th. So within three and a half days, we built the entire system and website and got started. So they, we could not have done it without absolute buy-in. And yeah, people absolutely reinvented themselves in that process a very short amount of time. Our photo booth support team became our sourcing team, our, the, the, the team that was shipping our selfie stands and products around the country were now packing and shipping boxes around the country. Our events managers became customer service reps in that sense, you know, and handling larger custom corporate orders. Yeah, I mean, everyone has, in one sense, had kind of a new role through this process. So how have you had to adjust, or have you had to adjust, how you measure success in this new endeavor compared to, you know, what you normally have done? Uh, I've been sharing with a team this idea that for us right now, survival is a win, right? Survival is success. and. Right now, the Snap Bar and Keep Your City Smiling are very much intertwined. And I don't know if that'll be the case forever. It could be that we try to split the companies out and really kind of hone in on the two, on the fact that they're two very different businesses. But it it has allowed us to keep our entire team when I know multiple event companies that have shut their doors permanently and uh, even more event companies that have had to lay off their entire staff. So for us, Survival is success right now. We want to make it through to the day when in-person events are able to start again. We know that it's not going to start fast, but we do believe there's a day where those events will come back. Human interaction is just so important. It's like a marathon, right? That's that's what we're in. We're used to sprinting and we're used to measuring everything by like the best time. (laughs) <laughs> and the and and the best month in sales and hitting revenue targets etc and expansion targets and now our goal is to make it to the finish line if if i can use that analogy i mean related to that with so much uncertainty these days how do you think about and make pro- projections into the future it's pretty hard right now we're trying to take it a week at a time and make decisions it's not to say that everyone's jobs are on the line and every week we're making new decisions, but we really are having pretty serious conversations as to like, okay, how did we do this week in sales and how many event requests for virtual booths have we actually gotten and how many corporate orders are still in the pipeline? Because the popularity and I guess the initial PR buzz of this idea was incredibly encouraging, but at a certain point in time that all dies, right? The life cycle of news pushes those articles to the very bottom of the page, if not off the page. And so that's why we've had to start, you know, with social advertising, which costs money and we've been trying to not spend money. So there's, um, I I don't know, forecasting is like the thing that gives me not, I guess I wouldn't say anxiety, but (laughs) I have a lot of questions around that right now. And just what, what we, what we can predict for the future, because, um, so far, and I'm thankful that we pivoted, but I didn't think that it would even continue to be this bad, right? So I've been wrong basically through this whole thought process. Thankfully, Keep Your City Smiling has gone really right, but I was hoping that events would come back this summer and 
we've had two of our largest clients say that they're not going to be doing large events until next summer. So yeah, it's, it's definitely been changing very quickly. I mean, I can relate to that. And I think a lot of people can relate to um, having tried to, you know, wrap our heads around how long all of this would go on and just constantly finding that predictions were uh, not turning out to be <laughs> quite accurate. And uh, right. I've, I've spoken with a lot of people who have essentially given up on trying to make project projections beyond, you know, a week or a month out. Um, you know, what advice would you give to um, solopreneurs or entrepreneurs, um, small and medium-sized businesses who are just struggling and feeling stuck? Yeah, I mean, one, it's just to have that resilience and strength of mind to not give up. Um, you have to make hard decisions, and I think a lot of people have been forced to make hard decisions. But just because hard decisions need to be made and things might never look the same doesn't mean it's over. Some fantastic companies have been born in really tough times, and typically, after really tough times, um, economies experience some of the best times. So just remembering that there's light at the end of the tunnel is important. And if everything is stripped away from your business, uh, okay, well, reinvent yourself for the next business, right? I mean, that's easier said than done. I, I get it. And I agree. <laughs> it definitely has been the most challenging few months of my life. But uh, yeah, I think the, the, right, the biggest thing is like, don't not make it to the finish line. So don't give up and just exit the race. I think right now, that analogy really does need to be embodied. That It is a marathon and it's not even a timed trial. It's just the success is getting, it to, the, getting to the other side. And so that's what I would say is just keep working at it. Um, I realize we're really lucky and fortunate to have landed on a good pivot idea on our first try. I've pivoted businesses before and I've started businesses before, and a lot of them have failed and not gone anywhere. So it's definitely not because of my genius or anything like that, that it just worked. Um, I do think that we were just really fortunate and had some great team discussions to land on this. Um, so if, if pivots, you know, that, so that's what I'd say is like, don't give up. And then also don't like, don't assume that idea number one has to stick. You've just really got to have this, I think, mentality of, not giving up and trying for idea number two and number three and number four, just like you would starting a brand new business in a great environment or a great economy, right? Sometimes the, the idea just doesn't stick and it doesn't mean that you're not going to make it. It just means you might have to change courses. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I love what you guys are doing. Um, how can listeners support uh, everything that you guys are doing? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. So I mean, we have two websites right now. Um, the snapbar.com or just snapbar.com and keepyourcitysmiling.com. Both of those will get you more information and you know, connect you to our team. So whether someone's interested in a virtual photo booth for their event or would like to buy uh, a care package for a loved one or themselves, um, yeah, those would be the best places. Awesome. And we'll obviously include those in the show notes. Sam, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Yeah, I appreciate it, Andres. Thank you. If this episode helped inspire you, please leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in.